Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, The Promise, Disc 2. Everybody, you're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. This is the podcast where we used to talk about every Bruce Springsteen song alphabetically one by one, but now we talk about every Bruce Springsteen album slash official studio release in chronological order one by one. My name's Rob Carmack. That over there, that guy over there, my co-host, that's J.B. Clark. That. That. I mean, I'm from Mississippi. We get used to being regularly. That, so. that fella over there on the other side of the Mississippi. Oh yeah. Um, all right. Well, I hey. think the Mississippi is like the most poetic, uh, like song image. <laughs> yeah. If you go through my lyrics notebooks, like that big river, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's just in so many is in so many songs that it, I've written over the last decade. I mean, it, it's it's in a lot of songs. Period. It's a, it's a well known river. Pe- people know about that river. People know about that big river. That river gets a lot of press. It does. Yeah. It doesn't get enough press. I, did you know that one of my favorite books is Rising Tide, which is like a history of the uh, Army Corps of Engineers and the construction of the Mississippi River? I did not know that. I did like know a, that there's a movie called Crimson Tide, which is about a submarine mutiny starring Denzel Washington. Same thing. Uh, that's a great... There was a lot of uh, submarine movies. Uh, well, two. U571 and Crimson Tide came out like the same time, and they were both fun movies. Well, there was before that, there was Hunt for Red October. Mm. There was, but that was like a good bit before that. Down Periscope with the great Kelsey Grammer, <laughs> and that's that was not a real submarine movie. <laughs> it took place on a submarine. It's true. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Well, anyway, so we're here today. This is a Bruce Springsteen podcast. You never know from listening to the introduction, but this is a Bruce Springsteen podcast, and we are talking about the Promise Disc Two. Last on our last episode, we talked about Disc One. The Promise being a double disc release, we decided to break it up so as to uh, not overwhelm ourselves. So, if you want to hear all the basic <laughs> facts about the Promise release, then you can jump back in in the feed one uh, one episode, and that'll that'll get you. So basically. Once again, though, The Promise is a box set slash double album released November 16th, 2010, comprised of songs that were designated as outtakes from the Darkness on the Edge of Town sessions from 1977 and 1978. And what we sort of discovered last week, just to sort of catch everybody up, or discovered, like, explored, is... Discovered. Discovered as if for the first time. Is that this is this reveals that one of the things that Bruce was really interested in doing, and he said as much in interviews and uh, commentaries on this, that what he was interested in doing pre his lawsuit with Mike Appel and all the things that went into the making of Darkness on the Edge of Town, it, as his follow up album from Born to Run, his initial idea was that he would do sort of like an old school doo wop rock pop throwback 1950s 1960s era sounding album, and so a lot of what we hear in this box set are, are the songs that he he wrote in consideration for that type of album so that's so, so right. now you're all caught up so i i that that is the that those are the, the kind of the basic setup of this and we're about to enter into the conversation about disc two and jb i think this disc almost makes the case for the unmade 1977 album being a double album because last week we were talking about like maybe it's a little too fat if he really wanted to like pare it down and make it a one disc album then that would be fine. You can make it a really tight one disc album. But I think this disc has a lot of stuff. There's not a lot of fat on this disc. I think there's a lot here. No. Worth saving. Yeah, this one, this, this, this is the concept, the, the, um, doo-wop concept album. Like 
this too specifically. I mean, there's a couple this of songs. This one has here. a bunch of stuff on it, but you know, so, yeah, but like this is it, man. I, yeah, and I, I was I was trying to think today. Like, there, there's a couple of songs here I would lose, but not very many. And so I, I think instead of making it like a ten song album, I think what he should have done was make it a fifteen song single disc album, and just release it full blown. You know, because I think I, not only the rising, like I think I think it's worth a single disc release like full blown. But at the same time, it's, it's this weird, I was having this sort of thing of like, like I, I realized like there, there was no exact right time for this to happen. Like darkness on the edge of town is a perfect album. We've talked about it a lot. It needed to exist in the way that it exists. I'm so glad we have darkness on the edge of town. I just wish there had been space in the chronology of Bruce Springsteen in, a, in and to, to create this album in a way that would have made sense because in listening to it as from 2010, it feels like a minor release. Like it, it feels in, um, inconsequential in comparison to all the things that Bruce has done up to this point, right? Like in, in the aftermath of things like the rising and devils and dust and magic, you know what I mean? And, and so like, it, it feels like a step backwards, which obviously it is because it's, it's retrofitted from like 1977. But at the same time, I really wish it existed like as an album proper and not just as like this box set with, with a couple of like very obvious outtakes as a part of it. I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I agree with you completely. <laughs> like, do you, do you feel uh, like yeah, this it, can't it, touch "Darkness on the Edge of Towns" like importance, but I, it's, I love it, and I hate that it, I, that it didn't get its like new due. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. didn't get its due as a new record. It's, it's, um, still very much, you know, like it, I, I think it's as for a box set, it, it's sort of, um, like comprehensive in theme, right? Yeah. But, um, but it didn't get like it's it's album. So, you know, that kind of sucks for it because it's such a cool record. Like, I'm trying to think like if you were just going to like slide it in somewhere in Bruce's current like in, you lose no content, but you just slide it in in between two albums. I mean, obviously, the place where it would go would be between Born to Run and Darkness on the Edge of Town. But I mean, it, it doesn't it feels it, it feels like a step back away from born to run like darkness on the edge of town feels like a really good follow-up to Born to run whereas i don't know that yeah. this would have but it's so like it would if you were just gonna like set this down somewhere in bruce's body of work would you put it between wild the innocent and born to run would that would would that be the right place for it but it wasn't written then that's what i'm saying like if you if you had a so time you machine, have to do it if you were gonna bill oh, and Ted I thought you're thing, saying like from the day he wrote it until until later like oh, you could have you could have slipped it in yeah, that's obviously where I would have put it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It would have altered, I think, the trajectory in some way or another, that's the no thing. matter what. We have to wait. In order to do that, we have to mess with the timeline. So really, it could only have been released when it was. But at the same yeah. time, it it feels it feels so out of place in, in at this point in the body of work. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree, and I think that. Um, it would have it would have been a cool album to release after Born in the USA, but he would have lost a lot of like diehards who are already a little on the fence after Born in the USA. I mean, well, he he lost a lot of diehards with Tunnel of Love, so like That's that like, was um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's weird to like think about like where where could he have done this, and it would have actually would made have sense. been a really cool fit between Born in the USA and Tunnel of Love. Now that I think about it, yeah, or 
maybe some somewhere in the mid 90s i don't know mid 90s i feel like the 90s were too cynical for this like it, yeah it, way it, too cynical for this like there there's nowhere where this would have landed exactly where it needed to land like right in the zeitgeist like and i mean if, maybe that's why it's imagine had he held on to this until like next year <laughs> and he released it with like a sock hop western stars barn dance yeah film. or it, and pe- the world was just like, oh, we needed this party. <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of. And I, I w- yeah, and, and part of it is like, I, I wish I didn't know that these were outtakes. I think that the part of the mental calculus that you do when you know you're listening to outtakes, I think also kind of has something to do with it. Yeah, you're like, oh, that's really good for an outtake as opposed to like, what would have happened if you had to put out this? We didn't know there was something in the works. And he was just like, all right, here's a very serious, very like fun, very straight face. Um doo-wop record well kind of like maybe exactly when he released the ties that bind the river collection you know like maybe if he if he had somewhere between high hopes and the river collection if he had dropped this in like 2015 as Ooh, as a single disc yeah. fully re-recorded with the e street band you know release you know just like hey i'm, I'm getting older but that doesn't mean we can't have fun let's here's, here's a tribute to all my heroes to all the influences that came before me you know yeah that would have been pretty cool be very cool. So I don't know. I don't. It's 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 an interesting thought exercise. There is obviously no correct answer, but um, it's you know this is this is the kind of thing that music podcasts talk about. Like what if what if we had a time machine? What if we could just build yeah. Ted our way into you know, <laughs> bro? What if? <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I paid twenty dollars last week to watch Bill and Ted face the music. Was it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. It was exa- I mean, look, it's yeah. not Citizen Kane. It's Bill and Ted face the music. It's let me tell you something. It was it's it's not the movie. We're not we're going to be talking about this movie in 20 years about like the great cinematic achievement that it is. But for the moment, it was exactly what I wanted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Good. It was candy. And I was really hungry for candy that one particular moment. You know, that's how I feel about this show. Ted Lasso right now. It's just like this really earnest show. About an American football coach getting hired to be a Premier League soccer coach. Oh, I've England. heard that. That's really funny. And it's just at first, oh, at first you're like it's kind of an idiot, and then you're like, no, this guy just means what he says, and ha- would never imagine doing something besides what he just believes is right. And that's so sweet. <laughs> I've been watching that in Space Force, which is sort of not sweet in that way, yeah, but is in its own way, like in its own earnesty. Uh, and it's got John Malkovich just yelling at Steve Carell. I, I got to tell you, Space Force did not get great reviews. I really enjoyed it, though. I thought it was really funny. Dude, I could watch John Malkovich yell at Steve Carell. Yeah, <laughs> all day. John Malkovich yelling is is one of the great. It's it's one of the great things of our lifetime. Because he doesn't yell as much as he's just like. It's like, uh, yeah, he doesn't yell. He he's just frustrated in a way he can't comprehend. You know. Yeah, he's really. Good. I just. Don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) we're not talking about Space Force. We're talking about the promise. I mean, we could talk about Space Force. Yeah, let's talk about the promise. Let's let's get through the. So we're in disc two. Let's get through. Let's let's get right into it. Let's do the track list. So track one, disc two is Save My Love. Now there's something coming through here that softly reminds me tonight I'll park out on the and wait until they find me You're slipping through the ether A voice is coming through So keep me in your heart Tonight and I'll save my 
save my love. It's nice. It's a, it's a, it's like a soft start. Yeah, it's got um, a little piano. Yeah, and it's it's almost not like it's it definitely fits into the duop theme, but it doesn't it, it doesn't have to be a duop song. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, like it, it's kind of a nice little rock ballad, you know. Yeah, I, this so that's cool. this could have been yeah this could have been on Born to Run if it had been written like this I you know what I mean it, it has the, sort of that aesthetic to it. Actually, this was the single that they were trying to promote with the with the release of this box set and. Um, in fact, Bruce has said that he really wanted to put this one on Darkness on the Edge of Town, but it was, and this is a quote, he says, it was just too damn happy. Yeah, it's it's like a really happy rock and roll song. And the drums at times kind of stick to that doo-wop feel, but, but it's just a it's just a fun, you know, piano and chimes on every chord hit. Like the piano and chimes are playing the melody in, of, of the song, like bum, 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 along with the vocals. It's just like, it's so pure, you yeah. know? It, yeah, and it's it, yeah. The melody is really nice, and the the idea behind the song, even though it's not like you said, it's not necessarily like straight down the middle doo wop sounding song. It's it has enough of kind of the DNA of those things to where it still sort of fits, but also the idea of the song is is sort of it's one of those classic sensibilities from the doo wop era, right? Which is basically the idea that music is the language of love. And radio is yeah. its messenger. You know, like this is a thing that you hear all through, like the music of the '60s and '70s, like with with yeah. that, that type of, of and '50s, I guess, in a lot of ways. And so, like the, the song, like, like even though it sounds like a Bruce, a mid '70s Bruce Springsteen song, it has it has the soul of a 1950s 1960s doo wop love song. It's a good song. He he did this on like um, I think he did this on Jimmy Fallon, but back before Jimmy Fallon had the Tonight Show, he was that. Uh, Back when he was on late night, and uh, late show. yeah, it, it was and it was good. Like I, I think he did this a few times on the tour after they released this. So th- this was this was one of the more prominent songs that he um, he featured from this from this uh, release, and it's good. It's, yeah. I think I think I think we gave it straight fives, right? This is a Hall of Fame song. Uh, I Am didn't I, give it fives. Oh, did you not? I thought did, I gave it a four. Oh, okay, so it is not a Hall of Fame song. The next song. Is a Hall of Fame song. Ain't good enough for you. You bet it is. Ain't good enough for you. And this is like fastball doo-wop. This is like right down the pipe doo-wop. I remember we did this one on our very first week of the podcast. I think you and I were both really surprised at how much the other one really liked this song. <laughs> yeah, we were. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just so joyful. There's so much like Roy Bitten just really killing it. It's just, yeah, man, this is like, this is whenever, uh, this is like the, ep- you know, 36 minutes into an episode of Archie when everybody's made up and they're at the dance that the school has every week, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like all the story ends are being tied up before a commercial break. Yeah. I love but without dialogue. <laughs> the, the, um, the whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, and yeah. Just the, yeah. I mean, once again, it's got a really good melody. The, the band is doing really fun work. I mean, it's, it's just a fun, lively song. And I, th- this is one that I listen to and I think, man, I wish Bruce did this one more. This is, this is such a cool song. 
Yeah, man, it's I love it. I love how low he kind of he gets in the melody of the chorus, but it, it's it's just so good. Yeah, yeah, I think this is one of the true hidden gems of the Bruce Springsteen catalog. I I would yeah. I would lose my mind if I went to a show and he did this. Oh, if Max just was like, yes, that would be awesome. And this is it, the theme of this is is something we're going to see over and over again on this disc, which is. It's about a guy who's in a relationship with a woman who's who only ever wants him to change. Like no matter no matter what he does, ain't, he ain't good enough for her. And so we're gonna we're gonna see a woman wants man to change theme running through this, which again is is not totally unlike the sensibility of a lot of the songs that Bruce is making reference to with this style. So right, um, yeah. So that's that is track two. Uh, track three is fire. I'm driving in my car I turn on the radio I'm pulling you close You just say no You say you don't like it But girl, I know you're alive Cause when we kiss on fire you and I are divergent on this. I am. I am. I'm an, I realize I'm an outlier here. But I don't love this song. That's fine. I get that. But you. But uh, no, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So Bruce wrote this song in 1977, intending to send it to Elvis Presley because he apparently he said out loud, "Elvis needs a hit." So he wrote the song and put it <laughs> put the demo in the mail. And tragically, Elvis died after Bruce dropped it in the mail, but before the tape could get to him. Yeah, I just love the palm muted guitars, man. Fire, do, 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 do. I'm just so into it. Yeah, this is one of the more well known songs that Bruce wrote and never put on a full release. Yeah, um, one one of those that was on the live box set that until until the promise never had a, an official studio release. But yeah, it's got the palm mutes. It's a um, they, they did a they did a cover of it on the TV show Glee a long time ago. Like it's um. It's it's a well known song. Yeah, I bet that was kind of a cool performance. I watched it. It was uh, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> it was like Kristen Chenoweth and the guy who plays the teacher. Oh yeah, singing a duet. I forget. I I. It's very early on. I remember that. I watched season one. I remember that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's it's there. It's a thing that exists. So. <laughs> um, well. Uh... Yeah, I just think it's a, kind of a sexy song, man. But uh, where you at on Spanish Eyes? Okay, so track four, Spanish Eyes. Hey, girl, is your daddy home? Did he go and leave you all alone? Maybe I've been watching. This to me is one of the few songs that I'm like I like it okay, but it's it's relative to the rest of the the, the disc. I, I think it's kind of disposable. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, isn't it just I'm on fire? A little bit, yeah. Some some of the lyrics are lifted. Like, well, I, I mean, I say that like I'm on fire comes later, but yeah, yeah. So he definitely like disassembles this and reassembles I'm on fire with like the spare parts. 
But you like famously hate I'm on fire. I do. I do. Well, you said th- this one's okay. But well, like I'm on fire is better than this if the lyrics are stripped away. Uh, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I, I, I'm not, I'm not crazy about either song. So, like, right. I, uh, I, I could do without both, quite frankly. And I mean, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a nothing song in the middle of a, of, of disc two here. And I, I think if, you, I think if you erase this, the, the entire disc flows better. I think if you, if you move, yeah, and even though yeah. I don't like Fire, I, I recognize that it's a song that a lot of people like. I, re- I recognize that track three is correct for that. And I think going out of Fire and into the song that's supposed to come after Spanish Eyes, which is track five, which is It's a Shame. Well, I want the way you want me to and I've told the way you want me to and I've tried Just to please you Well, I work hard every day for you And I brought home all my pay for you And I've cried I think that Spanish Eyes can go, man. Because yeah. It's a Shame is a cool song. I think so, too. I, th- I think you. I think if you flow Save My Love and Good Enough For You, fire into It's a Shame... And just like again, if Spanish Eyes has just disappeared from this thing, I think that, that yeah. that's a that's a better flow. That's a that that tightens it up just a little bit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think uh, it's a shame. It's just the coolest slow rocker. You yeah, know, got some soul pop going oh, on. Gosh, the you, bass player is just like the. It's just so good, man. You know the John Landau on the drums. I don't know why, but Max is not playing oh. drums here. Okay, that's why it's so slow. <laughs> I, I mean, John Landau's doing an admiral. I didn't know John Landau could yeah. play the drums. So he's he's holding it down. Keeping that snare tight. I assume that was recorded as a placeholder because Max was not there for one one reason or another. And probably the plan would have been, if 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 this had been slated for an official release, the pl- I assume. Yeah. Well, I say that. Like, they, they re-recorded a bunch of stuff for this box. Like, Save My Love is fully re-recorded. So, like, Bruce must have been pretty satisfied with the way John plays the drums here. Otherwise he would have had Max re-record the drums. Yeah. It's an, I think it's innocuous enough to have like, to have just been, excuse me. I'm so sorry. I couldn't hit the button in time. That's all right. You're good. Um, yeah, I think it's like innocuous enough to just get left, you know? Yeah. Um, it's another girl is unhappy with the guy song. Yeah. Um, but it is good. I, and it does like, like I said, it, it does sort of like fit in sort of that doo wop soul pop, um yeah genre so i think it's a good fit here if again if we're trying to curate this into a single disc i think do you, do you would you keep it's a shame oh absolutely i think so too i think fire and it's a shame is like cool you know okay because <laughs> sexy so w- when you were talking about it being innocuous you're talking about specifically the drum part not not, not that's what i meant the drum okay. part yeah gotcha yeah it's a good song i i like i in fact this is one of the songs like i it, it kind of sticks in my head when I'm not listening to it. Like what, one of the things that, that I sort of notice about songs of Bruce's that I don't like, it's not that I just like listen to it and just like cringe or don't like it. It's that I don't remember them. It's that they leave no impression on me. And so yeah, a song like Spanish eyes, I never think about, but it's a shame is like, it stays with me. Like I, I was listening to this earlier today and I, I caught myself making coffee still sort of like humming the song. 
you know? Right, right. And to me, that's a, and not to say that every song has to be catchy, but just sort of every song has to, a song should be able to leave some kind of an impression on you or make you feel some sort of way, you know, and this one does. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I like, I like the, uh, the lift that he does at towards the end of the chorus, you know, where it goes, uh, on the line where he says, you work so hard, but it's all in vain. And he goes up on the work so hard. I really like that. I, that, um, I, I like I like the the feel of that. Yeah, I think the melody, guitar parts, everything about it, it's just a cool song. Yeah, I dig it. And who, then uh, I was gonna say, oh, go ahead. Who? Let's say let's say we're assigning covers. Let's let's say you and I were a couple of A and R guys. We're gonna do we're gonna assemble our favorite musicians to each cover one song from this disc. Who does? It's a shame. I mean, I would Orville Peck is the first thing that comes to mind. I think Nathaniel Ratliff in the Night Sweats. Oh, cool. That's my answer. Yeah, that would be great. Or Mavis Staples. Ooh. How yeah. great would that be? That'd be good. Yeah. I think that's my answer. I think it's Mavis Staples. I think that's correct. Yeah, I think that's the right answer. Um, yeah, I would love to hear that. Anyway, let's make this happen. She would crush the like the, the verse phrases. Oh yeah. yeah, she would. Oh yeah, that would be that would be good, and good enough for uh, you though. Maybe that's yeah. a maybe that's a Nathaniel Ratliff. I don't know. Next song, come on, let's go tonight. Put on your black dress, baby, and put your hair up right. There's a party way down in Factory Town tonight. I'll be going down there if you. Slowing it down a little bit. I mean, it's a shame it's kind of slow. It's just rocker. Yeah. And then this song's, you know, got fiddle, slow fiddle, sad fiddle. Yeah. Well, and it's set to the tune of Factory, which yeah, it's if Factory didn't exist, this would probably be one of my favorite songs on this album it, because I love Factory and I love the melody of Factory. It's just so hard to like to set to separate the melody from Factory from this song because I already, I, I love Factory so much, and so it's hard for me to yeah. listen to this as a thing unto itself when all I can hear is factory, you know, but that said, I really like the, the verse. I, I, I like the lyrics of this. And, and this is another one about Elvis. It's, it's a meditation about the death of Elvis. So more, more broadly, it's about mortality and like going to a funeral, like put on your black yeah. dress. And so I like, I like that idea. Like for a song, I like, like, I like all the parts of the song. My only complaint is it's factory. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I have my, my brain has a hard time living in a world where I like both of those songs in different ways. Cause yeah. it's so much the same. I don't know. It reminds me of easy money too. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely, he definitely brings back the, um, a couple of phrasings I think, or at least some variations. Yeah. On it. And it's also kind of like, like a sad song about a party or like a happy song about doing crime. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, taking back what's owed you. You know what I mean? Like they're both like sort of um, not congruent. <laughs> that yeah, and I mean we we could have a whole. I, I think we did a while Perfect, back. They're perpendicular musically. Yeah. Well, in a while back we had a conversation about like the difference between like when Bruce describes a, a dress. Like one of the things that he's doing is he's setting a scene. Like he's telling you like what they're gonna be doing. Like yeah. putting on a black dress is you're going to a funeral. Putting on a red dress is you're gonna go get into trouble. 
Right. Um, and but then put on put on your best dress is you're gonna go have a party, and so like it's yeah. this interesting like he uses like these very similar sounding things to convey different intentions, and here it's right. the black right. dress because they're meditating on the death of Elvis Presley. Elvis is death. Yeah. Yeah. I love the the melody. I I, I don't the fiddle. The fiddle feels weird. I like um, it. It's good. It's just I like. I prefer it. With, I think I would prefer it without it. You know what I really love though. What's that? Talk to me. Track seven. Talk to me. Like uh, swing, it's dual bop, it's soul, it's jazzer size. You know, <laughs> like we could do aerobics to this shit. You know, somebody Come probably on. has. We're doing jumping jacks now. We're doing jumping jacks now. We're clapping. That's right. <laughs> Walk it out. High step, ladies. High knees. Come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, like, now that's what I'm gonna do. Next time I listen to this, I'm gonna stand cycle. up. I'm gonna you high know? kick it. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely. If you're not sweating, you're not doing it right. This would be a great marching band song. Yeah, it would. I mean, if, if it was more well-known, I would be surprised if it wasn't a marching band song. Yeah, it's got some funky little disco guitar. Yeah. Big sax. Just bass like a tuba. Yeah, it's another It's another girl is unhappy with the guy song. That's three so far. Yeah, on this disc. On this disc, yeah. So that's clearly an idea Bruce was exploring, which, again, I mean, yeah. that's, that's correct with the the theme and the the mood of, of this whole record or this, you know, th- this idea that he was pursuing. It's just funny. Like they're like all three songs ain't good enough for you. It's a shame. And talk to me. You're all like right next to each other here. Like it, yeah. it, not, I mean, not unlike with working on a dream. It's like Bruce had this idea and he was, he was just trying all these different ways of, of trying to get the same basic notion while also having some musical curiosities as well. But yeah, man, talk to me. It's it's good. It's big. It's uh, all the horn parts were added later. Um, those were all recorded, um, in uh, for for the re-release. Yeah, I love <laughs> this song. Could be like a this song could be a Broadway song, like a, a musical song. You know, like the oh, melody. Totally. You know, like I get to see a guy like walking across the stage with like a little bit of urgency. You know, like to a woman's window. Like I can't. Can't love her. I, I love her. Uh, I just want to leave her, but I love her too much, or whatever. Like he's so frustrated, and he's just walking up to the window, like, "What must I do? What does it take to get you to, to you know, like?" Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just like it's so. I don't know. It's a trumpet part of a melody. You are absolutely right. Yeah, I love it. It is fun. I might have to revise this to like a five star song for me. What did you give it before? I don't know because my computer just froze. Oh no! Uh, I mean, like not my computer, but I gave it a four. I'm gonna give it a five. What did I give it? Four. I'm sticking to a four. Sticking to my guns. Yeah, I like it. I like it fine. Um, Carmax don't change. <laughs> oh man! Well, then we got track eight. Man, we're just mowing through this thing. There's really not a whole well, lot. Of I mean, it's about. a clippy song. It's a clippy disc, you know. Like, yeah, I, we're not going any fast. We've spent more time on these songs than the songs take themselves, which is not usually the case. So, like, 
because they're short. These are like two, three minute songs. Well, and and part of this part of this whole um, box set release, whatever, is like there, he's not. There's not a lot of depth to what he's saying, and that, that's not a critique. It's just it's an observation about the thing that he was writing at this particular. Like when you're writing like soul pop doo wop songs as a throw like in the 1970s as a throwback to the 1950s to be released in the 2010s like you're not you're not saying a lot of things that are super challenging we're not we're not dealing with like yeah. 41 shots here you know what i mean like this is this is pretty basic like early rock and roll throwback kind of stuff and so thematically there's just not a lot of ideas here to explore beyond yeah, what's already been said not to like keep pushing us through this thing but speaking of like just like throwback classic rock and roll early pop rock and roll the little things about baby does like bruce doing his impression of a 17 year old writing a love song on a gretch hollow body electric guitar yeah it's a retro pop <sighs> type sound even like hitting that hitting that uh falsetto that's just outside his range yeah <laughs> he likes to do that he, li- he likes My to just baby. just go beyond the range just just a tad i love it too it's, it's exhilarating yeah yeah you've never like <laughs> felt <laughs> it's a drug <laughs> It makes you think he means it, you know. Like he's he's not just yeah. like hitting the notes. He's he's really he's reaching for something. Yeah. Uh, I love this song. I love the tambourine. I love the snare drum. Just the you know. Yeah. The snare. I mean the uh, sax. I just love. It's, it's great. It's super doo wop. It's so good. It makes me want to put on a poodle skirt. On, on the single disc version of this, do you keep this? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. It's, uh, I mean, it's too much in the center of the, the theme to, to lose it. Yeah. And then track nine, we've got breakaway. solid one it's nice and somber it's uh, it's got that like fat like that really loose snare you yeah. know the like orchestra snare or whatever you know so somber like a like a dirge like a funeral march we've got we got a few listeners who really love this song in fact i remember it's a great song I, I think it was russ bartlett like i think the very first message he ever sent us like four years ago was basically like you got you guys don't love Breakaway enough. You need you need to really reconsider how much you you, you yeah. should love Breakaway. It wasn't that. It was it was like a uh, a thesis demanding our reconsideration of it. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, uh, it was not. It was not sure. Russ Russ was, Russ Bart was one of our more passionate listeners. For sure, passionate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anytime so, I get tagged in a post by him, I'm like, well, I've definitely never thought about this question before. <laughs> <laughs> At least not to this extent. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's fun exercise. Uh, 
but yeah, this is this is a fun slow. This is sort of um um oh, what was the '90s ballad? The one I gotta be good. Don't want to miss a thing. No, my (laughs) my girl's gone to heaven, so I gotta be good. Oh, uh, last kiss. Who sang it? Uh, well, it was a cover, but Pearl Jam sang it in the '90s. Okay, that's what I thought. Screaming um, tires, busting glass. Yeah, yeah. That's. <laughs> I think it made more sense for the band that I thought was Pearl Jam to have covered that than it does for the band that I think is Pearl Jam now to have covered that. Um, but yeah, this is this is very in that same vein. I'm gonna look. I don't. I'm. I'm gonna look up who sang Last Kiss. It was J. Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers was the original recording of this. Of this oh, song. okay, good. In 1963. So it's actually, it's kind of a dark song to have been released in 1963. Yeah, but they were all dark back then, just kind of like they seemed like they weren't. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the era that Bruce is kind of reaching for with yeah. this dit or with uh, The Promise. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Breakaway, it's, it, this, it, we, we are, I mean, no pun intended. We are kind of breaking away from the 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 doo wop sensibility here with this song and the next one, which is no. This is super doo man. Well, I guess so. It's just, but it's slower. And I mean, I I don't I don't mean totally deviating, but I mean it's we're going we're veering closer to like the actual sound that Bruce released. But the snare drums going, yeah, you know, like it's so it's such a west like. A Hollywood fifties Hollywood do up song, you know, well, like a ballad, over dramatized melody. Uh, I put a lot of extra syllables into dramatized just now. That's <laughs> all right. Anyway, it's good though. It's so, nice. So, would you keep it on the, on the single disc? Mm, I feel like you have to, but I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> I do like it. I'm I'm not I'm not anti this song. I just don't I don't know if you're if you're trying to tighten it down and make a make a straight doo wop album. I don't know if you could keep this one. Well, do you keep the promise? Well, let's talk about the promise. So, so that's uh, track track ten is the promise. Johnny works in a factory and Billy works downtown. Terry. I mean, they do flow really. I mean, the, the, that they are sitting next to each other is right. Like, they, they sound really good next to each other, I think. It's like whenever you make a, a mixtape and you start singing the next song on the album and yeah. it's a mixtape and you get pissed. Yeah. Why would you listen to songs out of order? Ugh. If April is still sitting to a new record, she will hit shuffle. That is asinine and church. <laughs> I have to agree. Why would you, why would you do that? I'm well, like, if you want to see me turn red, <laughs> pick up a record you've never heard before and hit shuffle. I'm not gonna lie; I almost never use the shuffle feature. The only time I ever use the shuffle feature is if I'm listening to like a like a greatest hits compilation or something. I listen to the shuffle feature if I want to listen to a record twice through, and I use the oh no, it's not shuffle; it's the repeat feature. <laughs> right, different button. Yeah, or, yeah, different button. Shuffle is. Insane. Why don't you shuffle? If you want to listen to different songs, listen to a well curated playlist. 
uh, seek me out, and I'll connect you with my friend David McDowell, who writes incredible playlists for every season and shares them on uh, Spotify. <laughs> he always titles them things like, Where Have You Gone, Dr. Fauci? Oh, Our Nation Turns Its Lonely Eyes to You. <laughs> <sighs> and you listen to it, and you're like, oh, wow, perfect, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway. The Promise is... <laughs> um, the thing about The Promise, The Promise is an outstanding song. This is such a good song. Yeah. Weirdly, though, again, for the straight doo-wop album, this would have fit better on the actual album than on the doo-wop album. You know? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I think this is one of the more confounding outtakes. Like, confounding in such a way, in, in, in as much as, like, how did this not make an album? This song is so good. Um, but Bru- yeah. Bruce... Bruce basically says that the story in the song was too reflective of his own experience, so he scrapped it. It was too personal. It was too confessional. So he was just, like, he, he didn't, he felt like it was too much of a raw nerve. So he didn't put it on Darkness on the Edge of Town? Yeah. like Which is about his depression. Yeah. So, but, but with <laughs> Darkness on the Edge of Town, like, he was telling stories in his mind, at least. He, he thought he was telling stories about other people. But he felt like this, this song is so much about him. And so just, just like on the surface about him that he couldn't, he couldn't use it. He was, he was too afraid. He just didn't want to expose himself that much. So he left. It no off. guys, you don't understand. It cannot be on the record because the record is about my depression. The promise is about me. I mean, right, I, Bruce. and I mean, I'm saying like darkness on the, I, there's not a single song on darkness on the edge of town. I would ever want to do without, but like, could you not have made that album five minutes longer and just slid yeah. this in somewhere? Like maybe after Prove It All Night, before Darkness Southern Ninja Town. You know, like I feel like yeah, y- you need to make room for this on the, that album. Yeah, I agree. This song is so so good. So if I'm curating the doo-wop album, I don't know if you can keep it because it's too it it's too much like Darkness on the, on the Edge of Town. But I. I don't like the idea of it not being somewhere, you know, like, so I, I'm, I'm conflicted about that one, you know, like, right. Like yeah. if, if, if you're going to release a doo-wop album and all the other albums are, are what they are, I feel like, yeah, you kind of have to leave dark. Like maybe the promise is just the closing track and you just sort of let the closing track like change gears. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like you I'm do the doo-wop that. album and then, Oh, okay. Yeah. So here, here's the narrative. Here, here's how you make it make sense. So you do the doo-wop album and the promise is the closing track as a way of saying, like, and now we have to move forward. Like, because it's all about, like, leaving and returning. And so, like, that's the, the tension of going back to an old style is we're not really in that era anymore. And, mm. and, and so, like, the tension of Bruce's music is we're, we're escaping, but we're also returning. And so, like, the, the song also sort of lives inside of that tension, like, in the narrative of that. So I feel like this is a good song to close the record because it's a way of saying, like, we're always living inside that tension between leaving and returning. Because what did you say before we started recording? Is it better to is it better to not feel or feel pain or to yeah. feel like my, I'm going to explode inside my body? Yeah. Is, like, it, is it better to feel nothing or is it better, better to feel crippling anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. The do album is about living the past. So you don't have to deal with the anxiety. And then the promise would be a perfect transition. Yeah. Into. Uh, into um, if he would have put this out and like the promise was the last track on this album and the first track on Darkness on the Edge of Town, I think that's how you could have done it. I think that's a great idea. Like release oh, them yeah. six months it's apart. A brilliant idea. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been incredible. Or like the promise one and the promise two, and so the first track on that one is just sort of like a refrain from the promise. Dude, that would have been awesome. I mean, that would have taken some planning, but that would have been really cool. We'll get it set up. Re-release. This is this is why we got to go back in time. 
We gotta get that phone booth from Bill and Ted. That's right. And then, weirdly, it doesn't end on the promise. It ends. No. Well, I guess it doesn't even end here, but it kind of sort of ends here because there's a hidden track. Uh, track 11 is City of Night. Taxi cab, taxi cab at the night. Won't you take me on a ride through this city at night? I got some money and I'm feeling fine. I ain't in no hurry, so just take your time. Some people want to die young and gloriously. But taxi cab driver is City of Night is great, and I, yeah. my, my only complaint is it's in the wrong place. Like The promise should, should be the closing yeah, track. It should have been on, on uh, Greetings, <laughs> or the Wild the Innocent. Actually, the Wild the Innocent would have been cool. That would have been a good spot yeah. for it. Uh, I, like you said, it, it wasn't written yet, but like that um, – I, I like it. I like it for the the throwback because it it also has like that soul pop. It's it's slower. It's funkier, um, mm-hmm. but it. I think it works. I, I think I think it works for if you want if you wanted to again kind of shuffle the order a little bit, re restack the tracks in such a way. Like this would be a good sort of like palate cleanser between the first half and the second half, and just sort of like a slow taxi ride through the city. You know. Yeah. Taxi cab. Hey. Yeah, it's. A, I think it's a good. I think this. I think this. This song pairs really well with "It's a Shame." I think that like Bruce is really cool when he does this, but everybody in the '90s who tried to sound exactly like this and wear like a knit cap or whatever mm-hmm. wasn't cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, because this is like the '90s was just people trying to do this, uh, or so straight like the '90s radio rock, like adult contemporaries people trying to do this. And the 90s indie was people trying to write television by Marquee Moon. <laughs> and that's the 90s in New York. Yeah. Hey! I love the... Yeah, I, I, I really love the feel of this song. I like the, the... I mean, it really does. I mean, not unlike a lot of Bruce's songs, you can kind of close your eyes and imagine that you're in the place where the narrator is. You know, like he's in the back yeah. of a taxi just sort of slowly gliding through the city in the middle of the night. So one thing that we're going to talk about in the bonus episode, or I am, and one thing that we talked about beforehand, we're both like real into video games right now, deeply. Yeah. <laughs> because I think it's a really nice time to just uh, leave and escape. My therapist escape, is like, look, yeah. dude, there's a time to write your book, and you work on it sometimes, and then there's a time to like just play video games and get re-inspired, and this is that time. <laughs> but like, I would, li- you know, there's those video games like Zelda, Breath of the Wild, or like uh, Assassin's Creed, like when you're in Italy, where you can just like... You can just live in that world for a while. You know, you can just forget what's going on and really immerse yourself in like these worlds. Uh, and that's I, I I can live in the world of this song. I can put the song on repeat. You know, like yeah, these hi hats are like the amount of rain that is okay to still go for a walk in. You oh, know? I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This saxophone is like a knit cap and some breeze. Mm. Like that's what this song is. Yeah, it's good. It's got a good groove to it. And then the final track, the hidden track, is The Way. The way you sigh when we kiss goodnight The way the wind blows through the trees Well, that's the way you belong to me The way you want me, baby, when I'm 
Uh, the song is terrible. I hate the song. Bruce hates the song. The song uh, was written by a band named Fastball and then covered by Bruce. Ha! That's funny. That, that band, uh, that record was great all the way through. Anyway. The Fastball <laughs> record? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you know who likes this song a lot? Who? Jimmy Iovine. Oh, man. He, who, who was uh, in, in the tech booth for the recording of this, of this album. And apparently he lobbied super hard. He really likes this song and Bruce hates it. So obviously it was never going to make the album, but um, anyway, so yeah, like this song does have one defender and it happens to be Jimmy Ivey. Who weirdly gets name checked in ain't good enough for you. No, really? I don't think I remember that. Yeah, go go take a look at the lyrics to Ain't Good Enough For You. Like, Jim, he, he fully name-checks Jimmy Iovine. Like, one of the rare moments where Bruce, like, says the name, like, the full first and last name of somebody that he knows in a song. That's great. I like it. Um, I forget, like, I, I, I had to look it up exactly how he phrases it, but it, it is super funny. It's like, what is he, was he just jacking around? Like, he, like fully he, just goofing off, and that's why he just decided to <laughs> to write that lyric? Yeah. So yeah, if you're Jimmy Iovine, you've you've accomplished a lot in your life. You know, you're a music mogul. You've co-founded a headphone company with Dr. Dre, and also Bruce Springsteen has named you personally in a song. In a like, song. That's pretty incredible. It's a good life. Yeah. He's had. Very much so. We had that. We got, we got through that super fast, man. So like, any any closing thoughts? Any um, final notions we want to explore here? Um, what if we just kind of open up our bonus episode a little bit more? Um, since this is, you know, this back half of an album that we did all the basic facts on last week, you know? What do you mean open it up? Just, we we spend a little more time on the bonus episode than we normally do. Oh, I see. Okay. we have extra time. So camp out a little bit in the other, in the, in, in the patron feed. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Maybe just instead of like a top three, just like back and forth, what have you been, what have you been doing lately? Until we, until we run out like of steam. Satisfied a little, you know, some some pop culture needs. Man, I like the way you think. That's a great idea. Ugh. Two peas in a pod here. I know it. Tell me about it. All right. <laughs> well, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We'll be back in the feed next time. Uh, the next thing on the list is we're going to be talking about Wrecking Ball. So JB is very excited. I'm also excited. Very excited. It's, it's going to be a good conversation. Something tells me we're going to have a lot more to talk about when we talk about mm. Wrecking Ball. Yes. So nothing relevant. It's just about, you know, oh my economic despair, people abusing power. We nothing nothing we like really relevant to talk about here. Just like it's an album that abstractly explores those ideas. So we're just gonna notice that. What if you just re release record wrecking ball every year with new cover art and one new song on it? Um until we got the message. <laughs> Will we <laughs> but ever for get a dollar more but for like a dollar more each year. So like that's our punishment. We're like new records <laughs> like, yeah. It's called Wrecking Ball, Wrecking Ball Six. It's like it's like Groundhog Day, except Bruce just releases the same album every <laughs> every year. It's an interesting idea. Uh, Somebody write yeah, that I'm, movie. Yeah, All right. You should have. Well, uh, over in the feed, uh, like JB said, we we didn't really we didn't come up with a top five. We we did our top five uh, rock docs last week, and so this week we just decided to talk about uh, random recommendation things we're enjoying right now. And so, uh, if you want to be a part of that conversation, you can. Join at Patreon patreon.com forward slash Springsteen and at any level and you can download our bonus episodes. And we're going to go record one of those right now. So, JB, I will see you over in the bonus feed in just a moment. All right. I'm excited. We'll, me too. And then we'll see everybody here or we'll, you'll hear from us 
uh, next time when we talk about Wrecking Wrecking. <laughs>